Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And here we go, episode 38 of the Bashmania podcast. Guys, I need forgiveness for this episode. I am super pumped to have two-time world champion Jaden Cox on the podcast today, but I'm recording this intro after I recorded the episode and recorded the conversation with Jaden. And unfortunately, once I went back and started editing, I realized there are massive, not massive, but for me, massive audio issues. If you listen to this podcast, you know I really focus hard on quality. I try to make sure that everything is edited nice, is recorded nice, use nothing but studio equipment, but every now and then a blunder happens and that's what happened today. I'm probably making it out to be bigger than it is, but the issue is just that instead of my studio mic, for some reason the Skype call recorder picked up my MacBook mic. So it's not the end of the world. It's just not the quality that I really try hard to put out. All that to say, I hope it doesn't take away from how much substance is in this episode where Jaden and I talk about everything from his recent transition to 97 kilos and the Olympic trials to mental health struggles and depression and his walk with Jesus and the role that his faith has had on his career. So get comfortable and get ready as Jaden just drops golden nugget after golden nugget. So enjoy this episode. Sorry again for the audio issues. If you listen to this podcast regularly you know the quality is usually better than this but the substance is too good in this podcast to just dismiss or try to re-record if you enjoy this episode if you enjoy this podcast be sure to subscribe on apple spotify anchor youtube wherever you listen to podcasts if you subscribe on apple be sure to leave a five-star rating and review with all that said let's roll the intro it's bashomania let me tell you something brother He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Mr. Jaden Cox, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Justin? I'm doing good, man. I've wanted to have this conversation since I want to say like March 2017. I remember I was at NCAAs <laughs> and you know how they do like those video clips before the, the tournament, before the rounds, all that. And they did one of those videos and it was you singing Thy Will Be Done. And it got me, dude. As a Christian, like it got me. And I remember that video like vividly it was kind of ending with you saying, singing the words, like, I don't understand how a broken heart is a part of your plan. And I love that song, but I also loved your story and hearing and getting to know you more and more. I think it's more powerful when you hear about your broken heart that you've had in the past and everything you've gone through, like it's powerful. So like I was just telling you before, this thing could go for hours. So I'm glad you're kind of busy and it can't go for hours. So <laughs> let's dive right in. I want to kind of get as much as we can here. Um, we'll keep it chronological. So so going back, I know there's the debate 
between you and your mom and when you started wrestling. You say four, she says five. But either way, you've been wrestling for like 20 years now. And, you know, every your career is so documented and your career is so storied. Everybody kind of knows that. And I want to bring out some specifics. Like I know there was, you talk about it in the Flow documentary actually, where there was that one match where you went, you were, I think you won 11 to one. And that's the match that you and Mike Ironman knew you were going to be good because you were crying. I can't remember if it was during or after the match, but you were crying. I'm curious, like, I, I want to start there. Kind of, I don't know if you remember much about that, but what made you either cry or, or what made that switch to, like, okay, I, I'm going to be good. Like, I'm going to be dominant in wrestling. Well, I mean, uh, I think overall I was just crying because that loss. I was going for third. And like, I was still heartbroken over that loss at the time. Um, and then I remember, like, I was just, I, I don't know, I just didn't want to be there. Like, I, I, I didn't want to wrestle anymore, like, like, anymore that day. Like, I'm like, I'm, like, I was just so, so angry at, that I lost. And not only did I lose, like, I got pinned, I believe. Or, yeah, I think I got pinned. I, I, I can't remember completely, but, um, and so I was just, I was really upset with not only that I lost, but the way I lost. Um, and so, yeah, I was crying during this whole match. And, uh, and Mike was just like, dude, you're winning. Like, he's like, come on. I'm like, I know, I know. And right. I'm just, I'm just, I can't. Like, I'm just, and then, like, we didn't have that discussion, though, until we were, like, on our way back from, it was Cliff Keen, Tulsa Nationals, um, until, until we had come back. Sure. Um, and so, like, and that's when we kind of sat down and had to talk about, you know, like, he, because that's where it's like, you were completely broken in that moment. Like, you were done. And yeah. it used to went out and you performed and, and like, there's a way for, and like, and then he said, like, also that's where he learned, like, there's a way to switch, like make that switch happen, you know? Like, um, so, I mean, like that was, that was the big moment for us. Um, and I think that I kind of clung to that um, and realized that even in that, in my, and now that hardship right there, like I could, I could persevere and, um, you know, be really good at this. And if somebody is listening right now that's either a parent of a youth wrestler or maybe they're a youth wrestler themselves, and, and they've had that early on adversity where it's not the end of the world, you're still young, you have so much time to develop, but you do want to get better, like what would your advice be to that person? Um, I think one thing is, uh, no, I, 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 would, I would like to say that like, there's a many paths to being great at this sport. Um, so don't get stuck in doing things one way or thinking that if this one way is not working, that no way will work. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot of blessings in life. That's there's a lot of things that go into this, you know? So it's like, and the blessings that I've had in this sport is having great coaches, great minds um, that I've been able to mesh with and work on and, and work with and, and great partners that I've had throughout my career. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of things that go into making um, a great re athlete and a great wrestler. Um, so I think that's a big thing is just, you know, don't get stuck on one way and don't think that if one way doesn't work, that another way won't. Um, and also I think the first steps to being good at this sport is, is having fun with it. And I think that's with any sport, because if you don't enjoy it, right. um, I don't think then you will, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't love it, yep. then I think you almost write your own plateau. You make your own plateau. Um, because when you enjoy it and you love it and you have fun with it, you're always searching for a way to do it better or, 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 or tweak things or, or, or make changes. So it will help you grow. So I think those two things are, are the big thing is don't get stuck in one direction and, 
and uh, having fun and having and having a love for the sport to keep growing. And it's interesting too because having that passion, there, there's so many opportunities to to get to have that joy derailed. And I want to dive into joy in a, in a little bit because um, you have an interesting quote on that. But you know, moving on through your high school career, like I believe you were 204 and three. And it was even like both you and, and I remember Mike Ironman saying it, maybe in the flow documentary too, like you weren't really getting the credit you deserve. Um, and I'm curious if that's, does that take away from the joy in, of wrestling? Does that take away from, you know, if you start focusing, especially nowadays where we live in the social media world where everybody wants the credit, they want the rankings, they want the mentions, they want the tags. And if you're not getting that credit, if you're maybe getting looked over, it can rob you of your joy. Did you deal with that when, when you felt like you were really not on everybody's radar as much as you should have been for having such a dominant high school career? Honestly, not, not really. I think mainly because at that time I didn't think about it too much. Sure. Um, and I think also at the time, so I, at the time, I, since I didn't think about it, it didn't really affect me or, or at least I didn't care yep. as much. Um, and so like, I can't, I can't say that it did. Um, so, but like, you know, I don't know. I just, I guess I just didn't, uh, I didn't think about being put out there as much. I just wrestled to wrestle and, you know, uh, it just, the cards fell where they, where they were supposed to. And for me and, and, you know, that just kind of went about, went about life. So, and like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to let other people's opinions on my career affect my, uh, outlook on what I do. You know, I mean, even now, like, I think that for me, it's not the credit that I want. Like, I know, cause I've always, I think last year, um, I, I made, I definitely made a point out there of talking about, you know, the being overlooked, you know, I remember that and I beat think the streets, like, I, I think it was, yeah, like being underrated or overlooked. Yep. I think the thing, the thing is, I don't, I think it's more so like, I'm just, I don't want to be counted out, you know, the praise. I just, just don't count me out. Sure. And I, and I think that there, there's a big difference between, between the two. So like, I, like, like, like I said, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't really need a pat in the back, but I, I do at least need the respect. Um, you know, those, those two things um, can be separate, but I just, I definitely need one over the Does other. Does it make you have a chip on your shoulder when people do count you out or overlook you? Like, I feel like now that the, the tide's kind of shifting, I mean, you, you won a world championship last year without letting anybody score a point on you. It's kind of hard to overlook that, right? Is it like a chip on your shoulder gone when that happens and, and you can kind of feel that tide starting to shift? Um, No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. Like, it, I don't know. Like, at least for me, it, it doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't. I don't sure. know what it is, but and it, and it's not like, and I think some people may take it as like, you know, me being filled with bitterness or anger, but it's not even that, you know? Um, you know, I think a big thing about it for me is just, uh, I don't let the people, I don't let what were people coming around. I don't let that seep into, to where I am now. And, and that's mainly because I, I don't want to forget where I came from. Yeah. And I don't want to forget how hard I had to work to get here. Right. I don't want it to be like, a, well, it's okay now. So we can stop here, you know? Yeah. Um, and plus for me, I don't even think it's the people, it wasn't, it's not the people's opinion that I'm looking for anymore. It's, 
it's goals that I've set for myself ahead of myself to obtain. And in order to obtain those goals, you know, I have to have a mindset without a finish line. I can't, I can't have a plateau. Um, I have to keep striving to get better and better and better. Um, you know, and yeah, as I go along, I would love it if people, uh, you know, you know, recognize it or, you know, jump on the jump on the bandwagon or whatever, you know, know, that'd be great. But at the same time, like it's, it's more so like my, my career has put me in a, put me in a place where I'm I'm trying to put myself in a place where I'm still striving for something. And I don't want to forget the, the, how gritty it is to, you know, to get where you want to be. Totally. And and you talk about, you know, where you come from and where you've been. And I think your story is so fascinating because of not only what you've done on the map, but even a couple months ago, you tweeted out, you know, all these accolades you have and the matches you've won. But you talk about the fact, you tweet about the fact that some, you know, some days there's battles off the mat that are the greatest victories you ever had. And I want to dive into that a little bit um, because I know when you opened up a bit about it on the Flow documentary, it was kind of like, wow, how can you not be a fan of this guy? And your story and your actions speak volume, but still, like, it's in a tough sport where, I mean, I'm a Penn State guy. So you wrestled David Taylor. I'm like, oh, Taylor's a client of mine. And and the sport does have, like, that, you know, it's hard. Both Burroughs and, and Taylor were a client or are a client of mine and watching them wrestle. Like, it's always hard. And I think you've, you've been in those weight classes where your opponents are fan favorites. And I think one of the things that does separate you, not just your talent, that's, you know, can speak to forever about that, but from a standpoint of where you've been, like, uh, tell me a little bit about your background as far as like, there was moments where you wanted to throw the towel all in and thankfully your coaches call you and nothing crazy happens. But like, talk me through a little bit of, of what's, of what kind of, what you've battled depression wise in the past. Well, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of hard to, to explain. I mean, because when it's hard, I think it's it's hard for me to explain. And for a long time, I was ashamed to talk about it because people struggle to show empathy for things they can't see, they not understand. And so, like you know, and sometimes even if I when I did talk about it, you know, it would people still wouldn't understand to the to the depth of what I was talking about, feeling this, you know, this misery, you know, or this 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 feeling of just being down, um, you know. But like in my life, you know, I've had I haven't had. I haven't had a perfect life. I don't think anyone has, but you know, I definitely I've had some struggles um, that happened in my past, and those things definitely you know haunted me and, and carried over with me in my later years. And I, and I, you know, and still, you know, even to this day, you know, still fight them, still, still struggle with it. But I mean, then I didn't, I didn't, I was afraid to ask for help. You know, that was a, a big thing. Um, and I think that's something that I try to preach now. Um, like that was, that was a huge thing for me. Like I, I was afraid to ask for help. I didn't want to ask um, for help. And when I did that and I just tried to bury everything within myself, I just started kind of to implode. And, you know, as I grew up and started going through life and then got, got to college and things progressed and got worse. And it, and it was almost like, you know, the more freedom that I got in life, the more the, coping mechanisms became worse, you know, uh, just started doing really dumb things and, and got to the point where I was, you know, I was just kind of done and I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want that. I don't know. I just wanted the pain to be gone and, uh, to be over with. 
And, uh, and I think I, I kind of wanted, you know, I don't know, the big the one word I could say was just freedom. I just wanted freedom. I wanted to be free of it. And, um, you know, finally, like you said, like my coaches called me and, and, you know, and, and really saved my life. And, you know, and I started going to therapy and figuring, figuring things out and talking through things and changing my mindset on a lot of things. And, uh, you know, and it's not perfect. You know, I don't, it's not like I don't have my days where it's, where it's a struggle, but I definitely am in a way better place than I was, you know, my freshman year of college. And what have you found that if somebody listening does struggle with something, you know, mental health is such an issue that's not talked about as much as it should be. What was it for you that helped you to be able to continue to focus? And really, you continue to focus and dominate. Like, you, you had a rough freshman year mentally, but there was no signs of that on the map. How did you continue to to better yourself, stay focused, not get distracted? Like, what was your perspective through that? Well, at the time, we had like a team psychologist leader, or like a team leader and stuff, and yeah, he talked a lot about compartmentalizing things, and and that was something that I kind of clung on to, and I think that you know I. I really needed to do that in my, in my, in my life. And so when you gave this lesson about, you know, you know, when you're, when you're in this situation, you focus on this situation, you walk out the door, you move on to the next one. And it sounds, it sounds easier said than done because it truly is. And it took like a lot of conscious effort for me to get to this point, but I really had to focus on like, Hey, when I'm in therapy, I'm in therapy, leave everything else behind. When I'm in class, I'm in class, leave everything else behind. When I go to in the wrestling room, I'm in the wrestling room, leave everything behind. When I travel to compete, I'm traveling to compete, leave everything else behind. And then I would walk back out the door and then I pick it back up and then, and then I'll take, you know, go to the next thing and the next thing. So I think that helped me as far as being able to compete. Um, but at the same time, I still was struggling with those things later on in my career, my, my college career. So then I had to figure overall, you know, I think it just took that long to actually work through what was going on with me um, and work through my issues and, um, and, you know, figure out what, what I needed to do. Or there are a lot of things. I think the weirdest things is that like, there are a lot of things I had to learn to accept. And there are a lot of things I had to learn to just, you know, I don't want to say be, be okay with this and how I want to say it, but like acceptance is a better word. Like I, I had sure. to learn to accept, some things that have happened in my past and like accept the answers that I got and accept that, that, uh, that where I had to accept where I was. And also I had to accept also a big thing more so I had to accept that I could get better, you know, because the mindset of, of, for me is like, this is how I'm always going to be. There's no way I'm going to break free of this, which is why I wanted to be done. Right. So I had to accept that that's not the end. This is not the end. This is this. I don't have to like. This doesn't have to be my life. I can be more, you know. And so I think there there were so many things that I had to accept. And it was so hard to because sometimes you know, it's almost like in an argument that you didn't that you know you're that you think that you're right on, and so you just won't let this person know. Like this is the way that it is. Yeah, kind of like that. And you're just so stubborn on it. Um, yeah, you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of help to to change that. Um. And plus, I made changes with what, what I was, you know, I, 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 I also clung to things that made me, that were, that were one good for me, but also made me happy. And one, one of the things that made me happy was making other people happy, you know, um, 
making other people smile, have a good time. So, I mean, um, you know, feel good, feel worse. And, um, and I think that I, I clung to that and I still cling to that and I, and I wanted to clean that, um, but I also had to find my own worth at the same time. And when you talk about happiness, too, I know you've talked about being joyful versus happiness. And I'm curious on your perspective. And for those listening who haven't heard you talk about that, you know, at one point you decided you didn't want to be happy. You wanted to be joyful. What did that mean to you? Well, I mean, happiness for me, is kind of like it's a fleeting thing. Like it's a. You know, like, it's just like, I'd be happy for the moment. And I see, I view happiness as almost just like a, a moment, but a moment is fleeting. Like, and like I was saying in my interview, like, I'd, I'd be happy winning matches. I'd be happy winning championships. But then I would just be back, like, you know, when it's all said and done and it fades away. Overall, I would be with my life and with my thoughts and with my heart within myself, I would feel miserable. So I wasn't joyful. I wasn't joyful. Like, I... And I view joy as like an overall appreciation in life, you know, an overall, an overall, you know, it's like an overall happiness in life, basically, sure. you know. Um, so I didn't want to be happy anymore. I wanted to be, I wanted to be joyful. And like, I knew I could be happy. Like, I, yeah, I could find moments in happiness and be happy. But then as soon as those, you know, would disappear or the almost kind of like the fuel on those moments would go away, it would just fall back into the same dark hole. and. Um, I definitely wanted to figure out how to stay out of it or climb out of it because the the thing about that that thing about that happiness is that you'll you'll get happy, you'll have this moment and you'll and you'll 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 feel like you're on wings and you'll be you'll be up high and then you'll smack down again and then you'll be brought back up and then you'll smack down again and then up and down and up and down. And it's just like and as you're each time you smack the ground, the hole just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So every time that you fall, it actually falls a lot further. And then on top of that, if you're denying what's happening or you're not getting help with what's happening, that hole just digs on its on its own is going is digging itself deeper too because you're burying everything within you, right? And then that yeah. feels, that stuff is, you know, it becomes toxic almost like like it's filled with this toxicity this toxicity like like you fall through and now you're falling back through with the bad thoughts, the bad feelings. And, the 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 pain all that stuff that you don't want to deal with right because you've packed it all into this so it's um i don't know man it's a crazy roller coaster ride so i just i definitely you know definitely still stand by that to this day like i don't want to be happy i want to be i only want to be joyful i i love the perspective that that's why i bring it up because i think so many times people it's also dangerous if you're chasing happiness you know i heard somebody say once that success is as an addicting of a drug as anything out there because people are chasing the next high and the next high. And I think that sounds like what you're saying to the degree of, man, you can chase that happiness, but it's temporal, whether it's in sports or business or in a relationship, whatever it may be, if you're just chasing that high or that happiness, it can definitely be dangerous. And tell me too, like you have such a, a bold act of faith. What role has faith played throughout your career and your journey? Well, I think that, you know, especially now, and and it really later on in my my life and my career, faith played more of a part than it did in the past. You know, I was definitely someone. I, and actually, I I think I described my relationship with Christ perfectly in this in this poem slash song I wrote. And it goes, um, I go to it goes like this: I go to church every end of the week, and like a ritual, I go and take my seat. I open my ears, open my eyes, forgot my heart, so still I'm blind. I'm living in a world full of do- 
full of voices, deaf ears. I make my choices. And when things go wrong, it ain't hard to explain. I look in the mirror, but I don't point out the blame. Um, and so, like, when I had that, when I wrote that, you know, I was writing about myself and how I was basically saying that I was, that God for me was a routine. It was something that I did every week. Yep. And something yep. that I went through, like, every weekend and on Wednesday I went to this. And I never really fully committed to him, and I never really uh, gave my gave my my all to him. And and then um, but then it changed because then um, you know, because then it's what I said uh, was it? Um, in all of my life, I want you to intervene, claim my soul, make my heart grow out of my routine. I don't want to give my life to God and say, "Hey, I'm saved." Isn't that enough? I want to be a man involved who doesn't wait until Sunday to finally call. You know, and that was the I want to grow in this. Like, I want this to grow in me. I want you to be a part of my life. I'm tired of just showing up on Sundays and saying, yeah, I believe in you. And then on Monday, I, you know, knowing that I do, but don't live out the life and don't search for you throughout my, throughout my journey, which life. So, um, you know, I, I want, I want you to grow, um, grow within me and, and become a part of my life. And so um, as I, I've grown, back, you know, old and actually been around the guys on the world team, you know, that was a huge thing in 2006 getting to be around like everyone on the team um, was a Christian. So seeing how these guys carried themselves and, and, and going to the Bible studies with them. And, and it's like, it kind of, you know, it was almost like I was led by example, you know, seeing guys like Snyder, Jordan, Travell, um, yep. you know, Frank Molinaro and getting to talk with these guys, uh, you know, about Christ and, and ask questions. And I, I kid you not, you know, like Snyderman and I had had debates and Nation Garrett even and I had debates yeah. like through, through, through years. Like we just would talk about Christ and debate about Christ and my, my you know, and I, and then my, my thoughts honestly started changing. And I, I think for me, now I'm on this other journey. I'm actually on a journey to read the Bible 366, it's 366 days um, to read the Bible. And, um, through and and so uh really i'm on this journey now of of accepting and really just accepting the word for what the word says for what the word is um and and not you know not trying to put my own spin on it not trying to you know put make it so that it makes because what i would used to do a big thing i used to do is i used to try to make the bible make sense to me yeah we try to right? adapt the, it make it conform to us <laughs> right and that the problem, the problem with that, and especially with how I would talk about Christ to others, was instead of giving him God, I was giving him still the world, and that's something that I can't do and I don't want to do. Um, so I'm definitely even in this journey of reading the Bible, I definitely like just like what I'm reading and what I'm writing and what I'm writing about it. It's just accepting what God is saying, accepting what I'm reading, accepting it for what it says. You know, stop trying to conform it into a way that makes either makes me feel good or makes it so I say it in a way that makes somebody else feel good. Like, you know, I, I want, I need to accept all of Christ and all of what, what he says. And was there anything that led to that specifically, or was it just being around those guys kind of encouraged you to really, like, I know you grew up in a Christian household where your dad's a pastor, your mom's a worship leader. Like you've been around it your whole life. And at, at some, you know, a lot of pastors will say pastors, kids have it tougher than anybody. Um, was it something specifically over time that kind of led you back or was it just being around those guys and kind of being on that journey? I don't think I ever really, I really, I don't think I ever really left. Yeah. I think it was more so like personal things that, 
as I changed and grew, um, that I came to, to realize kind of where I've come from. Cause I think with me, especially with my past history, I was, and, and how I was emotionally, I was, I wasn't, uh, the reason I looked for a way to make things, have things make sense to me, especially being raised in a home where, you know, you learn of Christ and, you know, like you said, my, my dad was a pastor for a time and my mom was a worship leader. I was so, I was angry at God. I was angry at God. I was, I was sad. I was, I didn't have a lot of positive emotions going towards God at the time. Um, and so, but also at the same time, it's, it's really complicated because at the same time, I still believed in him. Like, yeah. I know you're real. I know you're real, but I'm just, I am so ticked off. And I think that the, that was partially the reason why I looked for ways to make sense um, to myself, because if I didn't, I would have walked away. Like I would have walked away completely and just been like, this is ridiculous, yeah. you know? So I looked, I was almost like I was trying to look for excuses to keep me around, which is like, I don't need to excuse. I just need to accept, you know, I don't, I don't need to understand. I just need to believe. I don't need to, I don't need to see, I need to have faith, you know? So having all of that, um, so I, I think as I became healthier mentally and also learned to accept, you know, Christ or just who he was, yeah. it started to grow more, and, you know, and I'm not going to say like being around those guys definitely helped and be able to ask questions and have these conversations and talk with these guys, especially about their walks of faith. And I think this is why, you know, God talks about having a congregation and having others to, uh, to, you know, to talk about this stuff with and to, to have your brothers and your sisters and around to, to help guide you, guide each other and be there for one another so that these things can happen and these conversations can happen. And, you know, these weren't, you know, these were debates, questions. And, and I think that it was awesome because it was these guys, you know, are having these conversations. We're all having these conversations. There's no judgment. There's no, there's no harsh. It's just, having a conversation and you know, one person able to ask questions and another person asks questions. And we we all have different viewpoints. So to be able to have this conversation and those conversations and that experience was definitely a huge help. I can only imagine. I, mean, I know having a really good relationship with Jordan and Frank and, and some of those guys, I, I know firsthand how, how deep their faith is and how much that can move you to when you respect somebody on various levels and then you talk to them about faith and it kind of, brings it to another level. So I, I'm going to change gears to, to talk about some recent events with 97 kilos, because otherwise I'm going to keep you here for two hours, and I promised you I'd keep this limited. Um, but you're <laughs> going to have to come back for a part two. But all right, so all right. G- going back in, in, into the wrestling in recent events, you know, last year, as we were just kind of talking about after Beat the Streets, you know, you mentioned that you're the most underrated wrestler of all time, and you feel like you're one of the most overlooked wrestlers of all time. And I know after the world championships, you, you were talking when people kept saying, what way are you going? What way are you going? And you really wanted to do what cemented your legacy the most. And which, by the way, like you asked the fans or you kind of kind of did like in the post-match press conference, you said, like, what do the fans want? And I think as a fan, like I can say, I think 97, it does cement your legacy more. Um, and that seems to be the general response of the fan base. Like, I'm curious if that mindset of, you know, we talk, talk about the chip on the shoulder and being underrated. Did that part, did that mindset play into the decision to go 97? Um, not really. Like, it's more so for me, like, my decision was all based off of 
me trying to strive for my own personal, you know, greatness, my own personal goals, my own, I want to strive to push myself to be the best wrestler that I can be. You know, uh, I want to push my, my boundaries. Um, you know, and I, I've said this a couple of times, but I, I don't want to be six years old and I'd rather be six years old and, and never make another Olympic team, knowing I, I strive to be the best I could possibly be and win all the Olympic medals I ever could. And, and uh, know that I never really reached, tried to reach back to push myself to be something, be something more. And I, and like everybody's different. And some people are like, screw that. I take the medals. And it's just like, I can't, I can't in good conscience and do that. You know, like I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, and I think some people even got it mixed up because they're saying that, you know, some people are saying, you know, well, what is he saying? Taylor's not a challenge. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. You know, um, what I'm saying is that for me and my journey, that this is going to be a test, you know, with Snyder, with Sajulaya, with Sharifov, with Perez, with all these guys, that's the test that's going to really test me as a wrestler um, in, in every, in every aspect. And, um, you know, and like, I, and I think that this is a decision that is best for me to do that. You know, I think it's fair enough to do that. And I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that for me striving for that for myself, you know, really what other people think about it is irrelevant, you know? Totally. And, and you know, I think too, like I'm curious of your, your your perspective and your process on making these decisions. Like it's not just a weight decision, especially when you're a top level wrestler, you, you have such tough decisions to make constantly. Even, you know, you, you've changed OTCs, like even recently, like you left Missouri to go to the Olympic training center. Now you're going to Ohio state. Like what, and I know you're splitting time there, but, but the point being of having to make those tough decisions of, of knowing when to make a certain move, what goes into that, that process? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it prayer? Is it all the above? Like what goes into the process for you specifically when you have to make those tough decisions? Well, I think that, you know, I, I usually, I solve a lot of my problems with a T-chart with positives and negatives. Um, yeah. so, so even like coming out to Ohio State, you know, the, the positive was is that, you know, they had, a, you know, bigger bodies. And that was a big, that was a big thing for me, like having the bodies to be able to, to roll around with. Um, and like, I think that with, you know, coming from, you know, Colorado Springs, and I talked with KJ about it too, just like, that way we can get looks, you know, get the feel that we want because the EAP guys were great. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's just, it'd be good to be able to throughout the year, get the feel of senior level athletes, you know? Um, and that's yeah. something Ohio state had. And that was huge. Uh, I think that also um, I trusted, you know, I trusted Travell and Travell was a huge factor into it. Cause it's just like, I trained with them in 2016. We we're on the same Olympic team. I got to talk with them, get to know them. And plus I've, I've been hanging out with him since, you know, the last couple of years, you know, cause he, you know, he's coaching Snyder. So, I mean, like, it's not like it's a French friendship there that, that I already had established. So not only did I, was I going to get the partner, but also the people around here, you know, that I knew, even the guys on, on the, on the Ohio state wrestling team itself, I kind of already had some relationship with too, just competing either, um, you know, around them against them or, or seeing them at camp. So, you know, there wasn't really a, a, a downside. The only other downside is like, I'm not in my own bed, but like, that's, right. that's minuscule. You know, that's small. So, I mean, 
Um, I definitely think that I saw more benefit to this than, than, uh, than struggle. And it's been great so far. And do you think like going back to what we were saying earlier, it feels like the, the momentum, the perspective is shifting to where even the early chatter and, and different polls people put up on Twitter and, and things like that, like the, the overwhelming response is, hey, I think Jaden's going to make the team. I think the team looks like Taylor 86 and Jaden 97. And I don't think that's anything negative to Kyle. I think that's such a powerful testament to what you've done. And it's like, you did just win two straight world championships. You did just win the world championships where you didn't allow a single point. Does it feel to you like the tide is shifting when you're, you're very self-aware and you're aware to what's going on around you, what the perspective is around you? Do you feel like the momentum is shifting and the perspective is shifting? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't even think that's really for me to say. You know, I think that's, that's all fan perspective and that's on them sure. to, to make their predictions it's my job to prepare to do what needs to be done um you know so you know for me the way that i see it, it's like it doesn't matter what the fans say because i i'm the one that's still gonna have to to show up um in the semis wrestle two matches to even get to snyder and then on top of that you know i'm the one that's still gonna have to then wrestle snyder and and and, and find a way to win best two out of three so, you know, that, that is, that is my job. And I think that no matter what perspective or what people think of the past, you know, even for me, like the, the past does not affect for, for me, at least to my, with my mindset, it does not affect the present. And, and, and if, it, and if anything, cause if, I, if we're going to go off the path, technically Snyder is still, you know, way above me. So like that, that doesn't help me out too much, you know, Olympic gold, um, two world golds, and you know, he's medaled in every, um, world and Olympic term he's been to, you know, since 2015. So, you know, and, and it's, that's more medals than I have. So if we're going off path, that still doesn't stack well for me. So then I, you know, so for me, the path does not affect the present. And, you know, my job is to be ready when the moment comes to do it, to do my, to do my best and put my best foot forward. And that's what I plan to do. And when you, you know, you give Kyle a lot of credit. I think, everybody including myself and i'm sure kyle's given you a lot of credit because you continued to level up and throughout your entire career from youth to high school to college to senior level you've continued to level up how at this point when you've had so much success you know you've won at every level how do you now level up again to say okay i've done more than what 99 percent of wrestlers will ever do and I and, and I want to be even better to really cement my legacy. What's the what's the focus to continue to level up even now, twenty plus years later, where you've continued to level up so much? How do you keep doing that now, specifically going into you know the Olympic trials in just over a month? Well, I think a big thing is like I ask questions. I think it's a huge. It's like I never. I always ask questions. I always have. I always look you know, always, always have something to, to look for to get better. When I go through my technique, I'm asking questions, you know, when I'm going live, get positions, asking questions, there's not, there's nothing nobody can teach me. So I think that alone allows for me to continue to strive to get better. Um, I think also, you know, becoming more, um, you know, I think as you get better in your workouts, you know, it's not about completely about how hard you go, but what you put in it. And so, you know, becoming in and being more focused and getting more out of practices is something that I, I definitely, 
you know, I take pride in and work on a lot. Um, you know, these, I think that's the great thing about, you know, working with, with KJ and then coming out to, you know, Ohio state and working with, with Travell and working with these, with the guys, like it's been, it's been, it's been huge because I've been able to like, not only, you know, I've been having KJ's perspective for two years now and I still get that. And then, you know, and that, and it's great. And that's my home base, but it's nice to also be able to take, you know, my questions elsewhere and getting, getting answers and figuring out, you know, different positions, different, get, getting different fields. And, um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me is just always ask questions. I, I never know everything, you know, I, I never know everything. I'm always willing to learn, always willing to gain. I mean, even, even this past time, um, when I went, came out to Ohio State for the first time, you know, there was so much I took back and added on to my, um, to not my, to my workouts, to mindset things, to, uh, whatever it was, there was so much I took back. Um, and even, even when I went back and then I worked on those things there and then I, I, I learned more as I was back in Colorado Springs. And then I come back this time around to Ohio State, I have, you know, I have things I'm still working on and grinding on, and then I'm actually going to have more questions. So I think that's the I think that's the big thing for me. I always have questions. Always have questions. Don't ever say that you, you just know. Like that, I think that's why I've, I've, I've done so well the last couple of years. I've, I've always looked to get better. So I've always had that question. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have. I mean, Ben Askren actually tweeted out a quote today that somebody had tweeted that said, I've noticed people who need feedback the least want it the most. Unfortunately, people who need feedback the most want it the least. So it's interesting that I, I just saw that earlier today and here you're kind of saying the same thing. Like most people will probably look at you and not think you're somebody who's asking so many questions. And that's the one focus, not the one focus, but a, a main focus is asking questions. And here you, you've had so much success. So that's interesting to see for sure. So listen, I know I got to let you go here, but one last topic, and I'll let you go for part one. I know you're a WWE fan, and I grew up <laughs> I grew up a huge WWE fan. So we got to talk pro wrestling just for a few minutes. Did you start watching pro wrestling when you were young? How like how young were you when you started watching pro wrestling? Who was your favorite wrestler? I don't, I don't know how how young I was. I think actually, I think I didn't even watch it live on, on TV. I watched it. On, I was watching it on YouTube with my dad. Um, and my dad's favorite, one of my dad's favorite wrestlers was, uh, was, uh, Rick Flair, but he also loved like junkyard dog and whatnot. Yeah. And Ultimate Warrior. So like he was, he, he liked, he liked, um, he liked those guys. And I remember watching it and there were a couple times where we watched the matches when I, when I got a little bit older, you know, like, I think it was probably around like 10 or 11 that were like, you know, like, you know, get guys get smashed with chairs or sledgehammers or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And for me as a child, like, I'm like, I thought it was real. Like it's all, this is all realistic. <laughs> like it, it's all real. Like I, that's where I'm at. Like, this is real. Wow. Oh my gosh. You know? So then I asked, I remember one day I asked my dad, I'm like, Hey dad, is this real? And my dad's answer was, Jaden, if you ever hit a man with an object, like a sledgehammer or a chair like that <laughs> over the head, <laughs> and he said, he said, if you ever hit someone with that, an object like that and he gets up, run. <laughs> <laughs> so there was my answer when I was a child. I was like, yeah, whether, but even now, like I still have so much respect for it because it's, it's just controlled chaos, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's, that's all that it is. Um, so, I mean, do you like, ever it's, think it's of like, going just, that route? Uh, not, I mean, I, I, at least not now. I just, I'm so focused in on what I got to do. I haven't really put thought to it, but like, 
like, would I be completely against it if it ever crossed my, my table? No, that's, that's, that's not, that's not, I would, I'm not, I definitely won't say no to that, but sure. no, I, I, funny you bring this up because, uh, Jacob Casper. He and just I, was on the podcast. Like, that's what made me think of it. He was telling me that when you guys were in Cuba, you guys were talking about it. <laughs> dude, we were going in on some WWE combo. <laughs> like it was, it was so, it was, we were intense and everyone else was kind of like, I'm so like Bryce. I remember Bryce Meredith was in there. It's like, I don't know. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Like, <laughs> like, like we were going in and like everyone else in the room was kind of like lost. Like, yeah, me, me, me and him definitely had a really good conversation about it. And, fun talking about some of the schemes and the, the thought and the, the, the storylines and which ones we thought were cool and which ones we thought were were terrible but i mean it was it was awesome getting to talk it out with somebody literally he came on the podcast last week and we went like an hour and 45 minutes because the first 45 minutes was was about you know the, the olympic dream and then we spent about an hour talking about his wwe tryout what his gimmick would be and it, it was just a fun time i feel like I'm surprised that more freestyle and folk style wrestlers aren't WWE fans. And you're, you're kind of making me feel old. I mean, I'm 33. And, you know, I when I started watching wrestling, there was no YouTube yet. Like, this was like 1999. I'm sitting there flipping back and forth between WCW and WWE. And I'm watching Mick Foley and Chainsaw Charlie go off the, the stage. And that, that was my whole start in, in, in wrestling as a whole was my love for that. So it's always yeah, yeah. fun when I see somebody that's like, yeah, like, like I think Burroughs was telling me one of the reasons he got into it was because he loved the ultimate warrior. He loved the pump. He loved like the run out. Yeah. It was awesome to watch. Like, I like, I like people who can really like connect with the crowd, like yeah. somehow, some way, you know, like they can they can, like, you know, obviously the rock, you know, is, is great with that ultimate warrior. Great with that. Um, even like, even now, I think one of the guys that did it better before he became the fiend was Bray Wyatt. Um, yeah. you know, and I, I even still like the, the fiend, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like it. Like it's a good, I don't know. It's a good, I guess. Scheme but that sister thing, right? Abigail, like, like that gimmick was nuts. Like all of a sudden Bray, Bray Wyatt's music hits and the whole crowd, like, lights up their phone and he walks out with that lantern that was an amazing gift yeah. like he got over he got over good well i think when he won the wwe championship um the first time over uh in the elimination chamber afterward and you know that was one of the best i think like post you know well you know wwe championship promos ever like like the con the talk that he gave after he won it like I remember watching it and like having goosebumps. Like, dude, that <laughs> that legit. Like, that was legit. So yeah, Bray Wyatt definitely right now I think is one of the best um, on the mic guys. I don't really like this, the 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 uh, I don't know the scene kind of feel where he starts going from jolly to happy. Yeah. It, it, it's rubbing off on me, so I'm getting used to it. But he, uh, you know, I don't know. He he's definitely uh, was one of my favorites on the mic. And I really wish that the, the I really wish that uh, WWE would have given him a longer title run the first time he won it. Um, so I know, so we'll man. see. You know, like, we'll see. I, I can't ever really with Triple H and Vince McMahon behind the scenes. I I can't ever really like disagree with them and say they don't know what they're doing. But it was the same thing with like when Daniel Bryan won his first championship. 
I was so all about that. And I was surprised they didn't get him back there. They didn't get behind him more. Like, it, it's wild, man. But it, it's funny, too, because I told you, I did, like, a, a deep dive on you before you came on. Because I followed your career. But, you know, I always really wanted to get as deep as I can on this podcast. And, you know, I'm looking at all these things. I'm like, wait a minute. All of a sudden, I remembered you're only 24 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, this dude could go to, to multiple more Olympic quads. He could go in the WWE. Like, have you given much thought of your career past, you know, this Olympic cycle? Like, have you given much thought to what you want to do? I know that even early on, like, you never, you, you did an interview where you said, like, when you were in high school, you never thought about college and the Olympics and all that. And that probably helped you just focus on being present. Is that how you are right now? Like, you're not thinking about about the future because man the opportunities for what you could do are endless um i think that like i give thought towards it but like i try to stay in this moment right now for what what i'm what i'm trying to like there's there are a lot of things that like i have interest in you know whether it be with music or, or sign language with you know creative writing um i even thought about you know like, I don't want to fight in the UFC at all, but, like, you know, I've even thought about, you know, coaching someone in wrestling who's, you know, a UFC fighter or something like that, you know, being someone of that effect. Um, so, like, I've, I've put thought towards things, but, like, you know, I just try to stay focused on right now and and uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the moment and give my 100% for this. And, uh, but, yeah, you know, uh, WWE, I you know, it's something that I love to watch and it looks, it looks fun. So I just, I, you know, so if Casper wants, you know, once Casper, you know, gets in there and makes it, he wants to put in a good word. Maybe, maybe that, maybe he should have to do that. For <laughs> I'll be rooting for that. That's for sure. Well, listen, man, I, I know. Tag you gotta... team. Yeah. 100%. I'm all for that, man. I'll help you guys with the websites, the merch, like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, guys, that is all the time we have for today's episode. More so because it's all the time. Jaden has for today's episode but he's going to come back on we're going to do a part two and if you want to hear that part two send me a message if there's anything else that you want me to ask Jaden or that you want to hear from Jaden send me a message let me know and be sure to subscribe so when part two comes out you're the first to be notified thank you for tuning in thank you for dealing with the audio issues and I hope you come back next time for another episode of the Bash Mania podcast see ya and the beat goes on